you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. All right, little known fact, I am actually... I don't like being late. Like I got a thing about it. And yesterday I was disappointed and I was concerned about today's episode. (laughs) I didn't know if you were going to be here. I know. You were supposed to do total access with me and then plane issues, traveling cross country. I'm happy you're here with me today. I'm happy to be here, Yams. Mama, we made it. I finally made it to work. (laughs) Hey, man, but you know, we had a bathroom issue on one of the planes. You got to get the bathroom fixed, okay, for a four-hour flight. So I'm glad it got fixed. Hold on, is that why they... That's why, yes, it was a bathroom issue. We can't go across the country without the bathroom working. Yams, come on, man. Okay, that's that's another episode of NFL (laughs) Explained. I got to tell you, we can combine this topic specifically about chartered flights that NFL teams take (laughs) and bathroom issues that are there. Nonetheless, it is a brand new edition of the NFL Explained podcast. Mike Yam, it's my guy, M-Rob. Yes, there's a lot to get to. And in fact, we actually have a timely episode this okay. week. You know, a lot of times I always ask, hey, like, send us your questions and, of course, continue to do that. I got a couple others the last couple of days. We'll, we'll get to all that. But we decided because of news that doesn't happen all that often in real time, we would react to it accordingly here on the podcast. And if you don't know the news this week, week 14 of the NFL season, the Titans actually fired their general manager, mm-hmm. John Robinson. So we thought we'd take a look at the role of a GM, explain what they do, the day-to-day kind of stuff, and why it's really significant, and why you don't see moves like this all that often. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, yeah, the Titans actually still in first place in the AFC That's South. crazy. It is, although maybe more of an indictment on some of the play by some of the teams in that division. But nonetheless, man, there's still a four seed in the postseason picture and yeah. made this change. They're a four seed. Um, you, you usually don't see a first place team in a division fire their general manager. But at the end of the day, it leads me to think that maybe there was a little bit more to this decision because, again, the general manager, he sets the vision for the entire organization. So to see this happen. Oh, and then on a a, a day after, A.J. Brown, who was with that team, just went off eight receptions, 120 yards. I mean, could it be a coincidence? I don't know. Maybe. 
I don't think so. Okay, we'll I was see. just gonna I was gonna let that one sit because I know what you told me before we started the show, and it was more on that line. You know, it's interesting because I came in yesterday to do the show, and, and once again, I was disappointed you weren't here. But I'm kind of pulling the curtain back. You know, we got all these like insiders. We got people that are like tapped in. We got former players, like dudes who just know people, and no one really knows because they all said the same thing. There's probably something that we don't know about here because of the timing of all this stuff. I can't tell you how many people I interact with over the last couple of days that are sort of saying the same exact thing. So just kind of fascinating <laughs> here. That's all I'm saying. And as the news trickles out, of course, NFL.com and NFL Network will have everyone covered. But I think we should probably dive right into Let's get it, the role of a general manager. And we should point out there are actually people who have the title of GM that are not necessarily in control sometimes of all the player personnel decisions. Okay. So it's a little yes. bit funky sometimes. Not all people who have that GM title are actually considered just that. I know it's weird. Just roll with me on this one, okay? <laughs> um, Duke Tobin, by the way, the Bengals, he's got the title of Director of Player Personnel, Seahawks Executive Vice President, and GM John Schneider. Just a couple of those examples. Sometimes GM is not the all-encompassing thing. New England head coach Bill Belichick, by the way, the only head coach who maintains GM power, even though he doesn't actually have the GM title. He's he's the GM, though. He, he's the boss. He's the big man on in charge. How about that? Yeah. Yes. Kansas City's Andy Reid comes to mind. Pete Carroll in Seattle. Washington's Ron Rivera. Head coaches who have significant power in terms of player personnel. And then there's one person that I can think of who is maybe the most unique character, and I say that respectfully, in the league, and it's an owner, and Jerry Jones, <laughs> Not only owns the team, but he's calling the shots yes. too on that stuff. Yes, I remember. I, what was it? All or nothing or something? I think the Dallas Cowboys were on that reality show a little bit a couple of years ago, and it's like before every coaches meeting and yep. staff meeting, Jerry Jones had to had to speak to everybody. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. It look kudos, <laughs> man. If you're the team owner like Jerry is, and you want to give yourself the GM title, and that's his title. Okay, cool. That's your money, man. Yeah. You can do what you want to do. And he does what he wants to do. <laughs> he does. All right. So for the sake of this entire episode, just to make it easy on understanding, we're just going to refer to everyone as GM the rest of the way. Basically, they are the top employee team's personnel department, and they got the final say on a lot of things. Some of those topics, signing free agents, making draft picks, extending current players, making trades, cutting the roster during training camp from 90 to 53 players. <sighs> picking practice squad players. You just sort of said, who, like, that's, that's a, heavy. That's a big decision. I mean, all of the general managers I've come in contact with that I've played for, you have personal relationships with yeah. these guys. Yeah. And so, you know, cut day is one of those days where the business gets in the way of some of those personal relationships. And I always encourage people to check out Hard Knocks because I think they do a great job on yes, HBO. Uh, over the years, these moments have happened where head coach, general manager on cut day, like it's it's excruciating. They got to figure out like, hey, this dude's not going to be with this team anymore. And I'm always fascinated how some of these players handle that news and just take it way better than you would think. Well, Yams, first of all, this is a business. Yeah. We're in the business of football. And see, when we all fell in love with the game of football, I know a lot of the players, when we fell in love with it, was when it was a game to us. And sometimes the business of it gets in the way. But at least, you know, we don't get a lot of Vontae Davis calling his grandmother 
uh, right when he got cut. That was hilarious. I called Vernon his big brother. The minute I saw that, I said, Vernon, what, what the hell is Monte talking about? I'm sorry, guys. I digress a little bit, but that was funny. No, there's, there's a lot of, well, maybe not a lot of those moments, but those are memorable interactions when you see it unfold in real time. But besides some of the, the player cutdowns and the draft and the whole thing, they also manage personnel departments. So you got dozens of employees, dividing duties, hiring scouting staff, analytical guys. You got your numbers people as well. And they also are in charge of setting that long-term and short-term plan, the vision of the team. They also work a lot of times with the head coaches. But from mm-hmm. a player's perspective, and that's the the helmet that you wore, Rob, how much interaction was there when you were a player with the actual GM? Well, it's funny. I had a lot of interactions with our general managers throughout the years that I played. And I have to tell our listeners and our viewers, I was always a like a team captain or a leader sure. on the team. So a general manager, as you said, uh, is responsible for the roster makeup and getting free agents and drafting guys. And so whenever we were bringing a unique personality into the locker room or somebody that maybe people had questions about, oh, yeah, um, the general manager always gave me a call. Scott McLuhan was my first general manager. He drafted me with the San Francisco 49ers. And I saw Scott every single day. Scott wow. used to stand in the end zone like a coach. Like he would sit back there. You would see him take his notes. You know, as a running back, when I would finish through my 40 yards and, and finish through the cone, he would always be back there saying good job or great read or something like that. And what it did was from a player standpoint, it it made you feel relevant. It made yeah. you feel part of the process. It made you feel like we were all a team. It didn't. And yes, business. And, you know, eventually we're all going to be told that we're cutting. We're going to all be let go. But Scott made it so that it just didn't feel like it was a business. It felt like a family. And then, you know, I think he left, what, in 2008 or 2009, something like that. And then I had Trent Balky and then, you know, Trent cut me. And it's funny because now Trent Balky, he's the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I was doing an interview down in Jacksonville not too long ago. And then I get a call from Trent, like, what's up, brother? You know, do you got any problems? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, hey, man, I love you, man. It's all good. I, I just wanted to tell you about my experience. But, you you know, you just have these unique conversations and things. Like, And Trent's a good dude. Yeah. And he got a great roster down there. And then John Snyder with the Seattle Seahawks, he, you know, that was a little bit different because, again, like when we had Matt Flynn, when we were bringing Matt Flynn into that locker room, he called me, hey, Mike, man, this is what I'm thinking about doing. We're bringing in Matt Flynn. You know, we uh, no longer have Matt Hasselback and things like that. What do you think about it? We're drafting this kid, Russell Wilson. I think he could be our starter. I know we just paid Matt Flynn. What you think is going to how the locker room is going to feel if we start Russell Wilson? Just things like that. And, and John had a presence every single day. He would be on the sidelines uh, during practice. We would, you know, squirt water on him, mess with him a little bit. It was, you know, yeah. it was like one of the guys. So all of the general managers I had had a real presence. And to me, that's what made the business side of things go a little bit easier. So it's interesting that you put it that way, because I would think it's the exact opposite. When you have a personal connection with someone and it becomes family slash friends, and you got to deliver news that really alters the trajectory of their life, I don't want to necessarily give that bad news versus hey, man, like, this is straight business. We don't have to be boys. Like, you'll see me taking my notes, but we're not going to interact so that if it does get to that point, you know what? It's just an easier separation. Do I sound like I, I don't like having bad no, news No, it's all good. I sound because soft, I feel you. No, no, but, but that's, that, that's human nature. 
I mean, it is, yeah. right? Like, you don't want to tell your friends the bad things. But see, I've always looked at life a little bit differently. And, you know, Snyder and Scott McLuhan, those guys were real friends to me, right? I still talk to those guys today. So I always respected the fact that they had that tough decision. I always knew when, you know, Roger Goodell said my name in 2006 that there, there was a stopwatch on my career. We're all going to get cut. I yeah. knew that. I just always respected the fact that, like, when I got cut from the San Francisco 49ers, I was one of the last guys they called and they made sure it wasn't many people in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? They, it was a respect thing because I was a captain. Same thing happened with the Seattle Seahawks. They made sure I was the last guy in the building. You know what I mean? They called me, you know, and it was done in a respectful way. And in the Seattle standpoint, they brought me back. So, again, if you understand that there's a business to this whole thing, I think players understand how to handle it. And the football world's pretty small. Because yes. when you might get cut, it's practice squad, it's you then get called up. Like there's a lot of different moving yes, parts. Absolutely. So generally speaking, you don't want to burn bridges, but not to say that you are, it's just you're painting it in a different light. I know I made reference to some of those responsibilities that the GMs have. The majority, and just to kind of lay this out there, the majority of current NFL general managers, 24 out of 32, in fact, actually come from a scouting background. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me, right? Yep. Like, I still think of all the things that I listed as their job, I always think about the draft. I always think about player personnel. From a scouting standpoint, it makes sense to me. But to that point, they're the number one scout in the no. building, so to speak. They have to have a clear vision of what the team looks like and what a roster wants to look like. And that's a constant communication process sure. with the head coach. Again, I think Bill Parcell said what he said. You want me to do, be the chef and do the cooking, but you don't want me to go get the groceries. And that's one of those things where your general manager and your head coach, you almost kind of got to be thinking through the same Come prism on, yeah. so that your roster matches the scheme and the principles that you want to coach by. So you've said the word business multiple times already a couple minutes into this show. And I also think because of the business, managing the salary cap is also Man. a huge <laughs> factor as well. In fact, currently, four of the 32 GMs were salary cap managers. Howie Roseman of the Eagles, Mickey Loomis of the Saints, Martin Mayhew of the Commanders, and Omar Khan of the Steelers. By the way, Roseman, if he's a numbers guy, he's also a shrewd evaluator because some of the moves that he's made this offseason and during the year, really impressive. Oh, my goodness. He is in his bag, as what yeah. the kids like to say. Yams? I mean, Howie Roseman. I mean, he probably has his quarterback in Jalen Hurts for the next 20 years. He still yeah. has draft capital if he wants to go get a quarterback next year. He has one of the top receivers in all of football. Oh, yeah, and he has another number one receiver in Devontae Smith with all those assets on defense. I mean, Howie Roseman, to me, if he's not executive of the decade, I mean, he's definitely executive of the year. I'm with you there. He's definitely on that short list. The four remaining GMs didn't come from scouting or salary cap. So you're like, all right, like, how did that happen? Well, Bill Belichick, head coach of the Patriots. You okay. win some games, you get, you you get, get all the power, power. right? <laughs> that happens. Uh, Jerry Jones of the Cowboys, you write the checks. You got a Billy. You, you, <laughs> you get all the power exactly. at that point. John Lynch had himself a pretty good career. 15-year Hall of Fame NFL career as a safety. He's with the 49ers Did as well. Did you hear how he became general manager? Like, I did no, an interview no, with no. him. He was on a podcast that I did before. And he said, yo, it was like I knew the 49ers had an opening. I knew they loved Kyle Shanahan, so I hit Kyle up like, yo, let's do this, man. This is what I want to do. This is how I think a team should be. He said, Kyle, hit me back a couple of days later like, man, you really want to do it? Let's do it. And that's how I became the general manager. And I think from a player standpoint, again, I wow. love the general managers that gave me opportunities in the National Football League. But to have a former player knowing that he's leading your organization, knowing that he knows exactly what you go through, that's powerful. And it resonates in the locker room. And they put together a pretty good team. <laughs> Right. 
right now. Are you kidding me, I know. man? The roster. I mean, again, that's one of those things. And I know we're going to talk about it on total access, but that's one of those things where, yes, you know their quarterback situation right now with Jimmy Garoppolo going down, but it almost don't matter who the quarterback is, man, because scheme and roster they're pretty legit. You and David Carr, simpatico, said the same thing actually really? on on T. I was like, damn, all right, cool, because he was like, hey, we made this all this big thing about you know Brock Purdy and he's you know Mister Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. If you don't know what Mister Irrelevant is, and just all of a sudden he's got some success and, and he's got some confidence, and he's gonna have he's gonna have some opportunity to play some real time, big time football. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and one other GM, by the way, who also didn't come from scouting as well, uh, it's Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, who actually started in analytics with the Niners, then became the VP of football operations with the Browns, where he worked on roster strategy. So I guess the the short way of describing this is there's a lot of different ways oh, yeah. to get to that top. But I'll put you on the spot here. Okay. If you were Jerry Jones... <laughs> right. And you got the, the Billy, so to the speak. Billy. So you get to start an NFL team. You need a general manager. Right. Which angle are you going? Is it the analytics? Is it the numbers guy? Is it the guy that's the scout? You just loved up John Lynch. Mm-hmm. Is it a former player? How do you assess it? What makes the most sense? Well, I know for me, like, I don't think there's a, a one right answer here. I mean, we talked about Howie Roseman being a cap guy. He's had success in the National Football League. John Lynch, um, Ozzie Newsome, yeah. he's also a guy that's a, that took kind of like the former player path. I, I would take the former player path just simply because I look at the credibility that having a former player in that position, the effect it would have on that locker room. And I honestly think it makes the business side of things a little bit smoother and a little bit easier just simply because if you're sitting at the negotiating table and you're with an Ozzie Newsome or with a John Lynch and they understand exactly the sacrifice it took for you to get there, I just think it makes the business side of things smoother because, as you know, I mean, the business side of this thing can get personal, it can get emotional, and it can have people not being friends. I just think that a former player smooths that side of the business out a little bit. Is it harder for a former player, and it's not to say that they can't do it, but Mm -hmm. is it harder for them to think strategically long-term? You played, you want to win that game right then, right now. The reality is sometimes you, you got to make decisions for the long term future and success of your franchise as a general manager. Is it do you think harder from a, a player's perspective to be able to flip that off? I do think it's a little bit harder from a player perspective to flip that off because so much of our lives, it's all about right now and what yeah. you're doing on the field right now and having that immediate success. But I think that's when you have to have the ability to delegate and lean on your staff and lean on the people that you have around you to kind of help you in that regard, knowing truly who you are, knowing your strengths and weaknesses. I mean, hell, that's not just being good and being a general manager. That's good in life. Yeah. All right. Still to come here on the NFL Explained podcast. I know we dropped John Robinson's name, the former Titans general manager. We'll dive a little bit deeper into some things that have happened around that organization, which might have led to the fact that he has been relieved of his duties. But we'll paint a broad picture, too, on some other general managers and some misses, as well as some hits. We'll do that coming up next on the NFL Explained podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good. 
and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I know I do it every single episode, but people keep responding with it, so I'm going to keep on doing it. Mailbag okay, episode, another one around the corner. I didn't corner. know where you were going with that at first, but you, it's all good. Uh, is everyone getting tired of me promoting this? It's no, working. It's all good, man. So, keep um, getting it. I'm getting looks behind the glass. No, it's all okay. good, man. I, I'm in the group text. I see that group text at least once or twice a week where yeah. you see, send one of those inboxes. Yeah, keep sending them to yams. Yes. By the way, I said behind the glass. That's such a, like an old school radio term. <laughs> our, our complete co- production crew is in another room separated by glass because there's probably kids who don't even listen to talk radio. No. They don't even know what the My hell that is. My kids don't know what talk radio is. This is it's a podcast. All po- it, that's really what all it You're is. Right. So that's why I have to explain some of this stuff because all these kids are just listening to podcasts. Podcasts like That's ours. It. And by the way, we appreciate the youth of America listening Absolutely. and international listeners because I get international DMs. And yes, you could check the box. I said DMs <laughs> again. <laughs> Our crew sometimes keeps a tab on some things that I say repeatedly on good. the show. That happens to be one of them. But in all sincerity, we do appreciate the DMs that are, I said it again, <laughs> coming our way. If you have a question, don't know who to ask, trust me, we are compiling these questions. There's another mailbag episode right around the corner. But before the break, we were discussing a lot of the responsibilities the the past, the backgrounds of general managers. At the top of the show, I made reference to Tennessee Titans and the fact that they relieved of their duties John Robinson, their general manager. So there's some ways that a GM can get fired. I don't know, to be honest with you, which boxes John happened to check here. I'm just going to throw some your way. Okay. Okay. Um, Obvious one. Team didn't perform well. Teams in first place. So, like, that's, that's not, not it. Yeah, that's nope. not one of those. But that is for some. That's an issue. Um, some dra- bad draft picks, bad free agent signings. 
Or lack of signings? Lack of signings. I would say that was a big one. Okay. Um, A.J. <laughs> Brown, we'll just double down on that. Uh, owner doesn't agree with GM's short-term, long-term vision of the team. That could be something. That here. could be. Yeah. If A.J. Brown was a part of it or not a part yeah. of it, that could have been yeah. a part of it. GM and head coach is not on the same page, and owner has to choose one. I'll give you an example. December 2018, Raiders fired Reggie McKenzie, kept John Gruden, and then they brought in Mike Mayock as their new general manager. To be fair, for what it's worth, I did listen to a large percentage of the press conference down in Tennessee, and it doesn't sound like that was an issue. It sounded like coach-GM relationship was Rabel, very, very complimentary of Robinson. So I don't... Think- it, again, I, I, Mike Vrabel doesn't strike me as a person that would air out all the dirty laundry. Yeah. I didn't expect Mike. Exactly. I didn't expect to get anything from Vrabel's press yeah. conference. No, no. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, the owner wants to clean house and new front office, new coaching staff. Clearly that's, no, that's not I, it. Yeah. And I don't think Vrabel's going anywhere. Uh, owner doesn't think the GM is the right person to run the team anymore. Possible. Yeah, possible. I'll give you another example of that. Chiefs firing their GM, John Dorsey, in June 2017, reportedly due to, quote, concerns about his communication and management style. Dorsey, by the way, a 43 and 21 record as a GM. Mm, so he was a winner. He must have MF'd a bunch of people in that building. Yep. That had to be it, man. <laughs> Kudos to you. I have not heard someone use the, the MF on this show. I'll take it. I'll take it. Boom. And do not edit that out of this episode of the NFL Explained Podcast. Have oh. you uh have you ever been on a team where the GM yes. got fired? Yes, Scott McLuhan. Um, he got fired in 2009, and that's when Trent Baalke kind of took over. And, and look, I love Scott, but we were terrible. Like, we didn't win many games. I, like, I'm, I was a player on the team, and I'm like, dude, we not that good right now. But I'm looking around, and it's like, we got Patrick Willis. He's, like, excellent. He's great. We got Cowboy, Justin Smith. Like, you know, we got these guys everywhere. And then, what, a year and a half later, they make one switch at the coaching position. No. Coach Harbaugh comes in. They bring in uh, Kaepernick in the same roster now elevates themselves to a Super Bowl. Yeah, and sometimes it's about fit. You know, we've it. talked about players on previous episodes and where they end up with certain teams. We were talking about this with quarterbacks. Sometimes you end up in the circumstances that are just perfect for you. And case in point, an obvious one that I think I used even as an example in that episode, Tua, right? Mm-hmm. Tua struggled a little bit. All of a sudden, Mike McDaniels comes in, and guess what? Tua is it's now having out. a great season. <laughs> You touched a little bit on Robinson. You said, hey, maybe it's the A.J. Brown situation. Maybe it's something else. But is there, look, we'll go through some of the hits and the misses here. But just generally speaking, in this situation, the timing of it, is that maybe the most surprising that thing It about is it? the most surprising for me. Um, because to me, like, nothing changed. The A.J. Brown, that trade happened, what, on draft day? Like, it is what yep. it is. There's nothing you can really do about it now. You knew what that trade was all season, and you're in first place. I think it was, <laughs> and I know we, we we live in an environment, we live in a world where, you know, it's what have you done for me lately. I, I just think that game, A.J. Brown, eight receptions, 119 yards, two touchdowns. He talked trash the entire oh, yeah. time, and I think it was that. I think it was the the, the display of A.J. Brown just saying, y'all could have had me. 
The dude didn't want to go anywhere. No. I know guys in that Tennessee locker room. I know guys in the Philadelphia uh, Eagles locker room. He didn't want to go anywhere. He wanted to stay there. Every guy who gets drafted to a team and the, the team starts to see some success, we won't go nowhere. We want to get paid by the team that drafted me. No. I like the the store that I go to every single morning. I like the, you know what I mean? You, you like your routine. He didn't want to go anywhere. He was surprised. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Mike Vrabel said on draft day or something like that, as long as I'm the coach, A.J. Brown ain't going nowhere or something like that. And then the trade actually happens. And I just think it just got to a point on Sunday where it's like the owner was like, uh-uh, I, I'm not taking it anymore. Can I throw something your way? What's I, up? I'm hearing you talk about this and I'm automatically thinking about Brown and the replacement in Rookie and Traylon Burks. I'm wondering if Robinson is getting judged, not just on that pick, obviously it's the totality of your work, but we've seen young wide receivers in year one, year yes. two, really thrive, where you start thinking to yourself, all right, maybe I'm just really good at this whole deal. I just go get another guy. Why am I going to go and pay AJ when I can get a rookie, pay him a rookie deal, and he's still going to ball out? And you almost got sucked into the success of some of these other guys. I think Burks, I don't know off the top of my head, I think it's two touchdowns. He caught one the other week, and then he recovered a fumble in the end zone mm -hmm. for a score. The reality is the production from Traylon Burks isn't what Tennessee clearly hoped that they were getting. But how much do you think that's a factor in all of oh, this? Oh, I think it's a I think it's a huge factor. I think if Traylon Burks had, you know, come out and had a Jamar Chase type of a rookie huh? season, John Robinson would still be the general or manager. Or an Alave season. Or an Alave season, right? yeah. Or just, Garrett Wilson when with Mike White. Yeah. You know, like, so, uh, all of those guys, man. I mean, it, we're getting to a point where of the wide receiver position is almost like the running back position, right? Yeah. If you're elite, you know what I mean? You can find one of those guys. Uh, I just think that the the nature and how A.J. Brown showed off, I mean, there was a great clip of Mike Vrabel giving him a hug before the game. Yeah. I don't know what was said, but I can only imagine what was said. I think he said, man, I didn't want to let you go. You know I love you. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to handle this thing on Monday. That's what I think he said to him. I think Mike Vrabel knew something <laughs> on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? But I, again, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. But uh, A.J. Brown, man, I just, you, you had the money to pay him. It wasn't going to break the bank. And you talk about the explosive plays missing from this offense. Maybe, maybe they got the wrong quarterback. Maybe yeah. they could have paid A.J. Brown and found another quarterback. And maybe they've had more success. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. 
You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike Am and Rob with you. So, for, look, we, we talked about some of the misses here, and that being one of them on the Browns situation. There's a lot of really good that Robinson did when he was hired in 2016 to be this team's general manager. Here's a couple of these things. Promoted to executive vice president in 2017. By the way, he was just given in February a contract extension. That runs through 2027. So there's still five years remaining on the deal. Oh, he good. That's, oh, that's right? guaranteed money. That's cash. He good. That's hey, man, cash. John, go ahead, take you a trip, man, yeah. for about a month. You know what I'm just saying? Just reset, mental Just reset. Just go ahead and reset, oh. man. Go on to the Cayman Islands or something. Hang on out, man. Do, do, do some yoga. Yeah, uh, there you go. Since 2016, Titans record, 63 and 43. I'll take that. The 60.6% win percentage, ninth highest in the NFL. Four playoff experiences, nine plus wins every season. One of two teams with a winning record every single season, along with... Kansas City, third best win percentage versus teams with a winning percentage of at least 50%, only behind the Chiefs in New England. Last time I checked, mm. pretty good squad yes. as well. I got to tell you, like the team actually looked, they are in first place in that division. I know we keep saying this, it, it, it's surprising. It is surprising, but Yams, I could challenge you. I could argue Andrew Luck helped the Titans out. Yeah. Just the fact that yeah. he retired, I, I, to me, and I said it on this podcast before, it set the Indianapolis Colts back 20 years. I could argue the fact that Deshaun Watson and all the strife with the Houston Texans and that just being a, you know, a, 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 some some lack of leadership in that organization, that helped that record. So again, I don't want to take anything away from John Robinson's tenure there because I think he did a great job, but there were some peripheral circumstances that helped that record. Okay, so I just loved up his record. I do think <laughs> it's important to kind of paint the entire picture. You just mentioned Ryan Tannehill. I think about Marcus Mariota. He yep. had some time, did not find the franchise quarterback. To be fair, I think there's a lot of teams in the NFL that are looking for their franchise quarterback as well. Made the decision to trade A.J. Brown. Notable draft misses here. Uh, first round offensive tackle, Isaiah Wilson, played one snap in the NFL. I remember this in 2021. Caleb Farley only started two games, a lot of injuries there. 
you can make an argument the roster is declined. Like, what's that window for this team? I would argue it's right now, and maybe that also is part of the reason why they wanted to go in that direction. One other fascinating wrinkle here. We actually saw some roster movement right after Robinson was released of his duties. Fullback Torrey Carter played nine games this season. Not with the team anymore. He was waived. They waived a slew of players, I guess is my point here. Are you surprised by that? Um, I'm not surprised. There were probably some guys that John stood on the table for. And, you know, he had some background with, some history with, and they were probably his guys. And I know you mentioned this, but I got to go back. The trade details of A.J. Brown again? What was that? Uh, the trade details. So they dealt him to Philadelphia first round pick. Which one is first round. One first rounder and a third round. That's it. That's it. Yeah, fair dude who's balling. That's it. I mean, he, to me, he's in the class of player like a Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying he's better mm-hmm. or whatever, but he's in the class. And you look at what Tyreek Hill was traded for. He, five draft picks was traded. A first rounder, a second rounder, yeah. two fourths, and a six. I mean, it get something more back for this kid, man. And then maybe, uh, you know, uh, Vrabel and the owner would have looked at him and said, okay, at least, yeah, we gave up an explosive player, but man, look at what we got in return. We can work with this. I just don't think they got enough. I think it's criminal that they only got a first and a third. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And by the way, I actually agree with you. The asking price, maybe they could have gotten a little bit more, but I'm, look, 2021, 63 catches for him. 2020, 70 catches, and the year before that, 52 catches in those three seasons. Two of them were 1,000-yard seasons. If you go off of, like, recency bias, and yeah. um, it just it is what it is, when you're coming off of a year where you have 869 receiving yards and five touchdowns, not exactly Tyreek production, so maybe a shrewd move from Harry Roseman to go, hey, look at what this dude just did. I'm not giving you multiple first-round picks. You're not getting Tyreek package for a guy that didn't hit 1,000 yards last season. And, and, and yeah, when you're doing negotiations, I, I would I can agree. I could I could hear that. But then you hold on to AJ Brown, you yeah. don't let him go. He's just that yeah. important of a player, man. Like to me, that has something to do with this. Okay, just something else to throw out there. Titans owner Amy Adams Strunk actually had this to say in a statement. Since becoming controlling owner in 2015, my goal has been to raise the standard for what is expected in all facets of our organization. I believe we've made significant progress both on and off the field through investment in leadership, personnel, and new ideas. This progress includes the core of our business, the football team itself, which is regularly evaluated both on results, wins and losses, and team construction slash roster building. I am proud of what we have accomplished in my eight seasons of ownership, but I believe there is more to be done and higher aspirations to be met. I want to thank John for his dedicated work to set this organization on an upward trajectory, and I wish him and his family the best. One other note here, NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero. Uh-huh put this out. He said, my understanding is Titans brass wasn't happy with the direction of the roster assembled by John Robinson and decided to make a change despite leading the AFC South. There's some other things you can also speculate about. I'll let you kind of go and do that. But your reaction, because it seems like her statement is a touch benign in general. Yeah, It is. And it just seems like they, you know what? They said, you know what? We want to go in a different direction. Let's go ahead and rip the bandaid off right now. Let's say best said. And uh, let's just try to turn the page real quick and nothing to see here type of a deal. And let's just move on. All right. Earlier in this podcast, you told me you've been a part of a team that made a change at the general manager spot. What does it do for this team? Do you think in the locker room? Oh, man. Um, It what I what it does for this team, I think it says. 
We got a hell of a head coach in Mike Vrabel. Yeah. I do think that he'll take on a little bit more in roster construction and team building and things like that. I think he'll get more power in this particular situation. But I also think that it sends the message to this locker room that it's not enough. What we've done, what we've accomplished is not enough. We're in the business of winning championships, Super Bowls. We're not happy with just getting the one conference championship. We're not happy yeah. with just winning the division a few years in a row and losing to Kansas City or Buffalo in the playoffs. It's not good enough. And I think that message will be received clearly by the leaders in that locker room. They won't step up and play better for it. Yeah. And hopefully we see some more explosive plays from that team's offense as well, because they are. You and I talked about this on the NFL Total Access podcast. It's like this team is built for old school playoff football. Oh, yeah. And maybe not new school. And what I mean by that for some of our newer listeners who, who maybe are new to football Ground and pound, right? Derrick Henry, just a monster. If I need to get up and down the field in less than a minute, and we got some teams that can do that offensively, I don't know if the Titans are one of those squads. I don't either. And again, even when you want to run the football like they do want to run the football, you still need to have space in the offense. There has to be an explosive element. Right now, uh, when when A.J. Brown was on this team, safeties would sit at about 14 or 15 yards, which that gives... This offense, 14 to 15 yards of space to run the football. Now safety is sitting at about 9 to 10 yards. That's not a lot of space for Derrick Henry to do work. Yeah. You know, I know we spent a lot of time talking about Robinson. I do want to highlight some GMs. There's obviously a ton that are doing really just yeoman's work and are having success. Just to throw out some names here, Chiefs, Brett Veach, actually a 742 win percentage. Bill Belichick, 676 win percentage. We know what he's been able to accomplish in New England for a long period of time. Eric DaCosta. 672 win percentage with the Ravens. Packers GM, Brian Gunacoust, you know, huh. he's been making a lot of headlines with the Aaron Rodgers situation yes. in this offseason. His team has obviously had a ton of success. The Bills, Brandon Bean. And Bean. you know all about what that team has been able yes. to accomplish. Isn't it interesting, though? Ravens, Packers, Bills. Is, wouldn't you know, all of them have pretty good quarterbacks. And again, that's the key. Yeah. If you're a general manager or you're an up-and-coming general manager or a new general manager, the key is... Getting yourself, and I, I mean this in a, you know, in a, uh, I don't know, a different type of way, like getting married to that quarterback, man. Yeah. You find your guy and it's job security. And by the way, M. Rob, you and I actually have an episode coming up in a couple weeks about the art of drafting a quarterback. Yes. So for as much as we're talking about GMs and draft capital and the success that they've had, Getting a quarterback, really, really important. So that one's coming out in a couple weeks. Just be on the lookout for that one. Um, And look, one other note here, too, because we've done some Hall of Fame episodes as well. Just keep in mind, you can be a general manager and still get enshrined. Like that has happened here. Just to throw some names your way. One that I actually catch on radio fairly often, Bill Polian, who was with the Bills, the Panthers, and the Colts. Like that dude's still out there. Like to me of the list, and I'll go through it here. He's one that stands out. Oh, yeah. He's like the godfather. Yeah. I, I even think teams that are looking for general managers call him yeah. and just say, hey, can you talk to the guys that we're thinking about trying to get as a general manager? He's a great dude. Yeah. Some other names, Bobby Bethard, who was with the Redskins and the Chargers, Jim Finks, back in like, you know, the, the 60s, the 70s and the 80s, the Vikings, the Bears and the Saints, Tex Schramm from the Cowboys, uh, Ron Wolf of the Packers, George Young of the Giants. So a pretty good collection. Of, that is of, a pretty good collection, there. man. Ron Wolf, man. That's the guy that the Packers still are using a lot of his draft principles uh, right now. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about that type of success and the impact that you can have. And it it carries over decades. Absolutely. Really, man. really cool. 
Uh, always appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Once again, the role of a GM, me and Emrob did our best. We tried really hard. And <laughs> hopefully we delivered for you. You could follow him on social media at Real Mike Rob at Mike underscore Yam. You can send me those DMs with any of your questions. The role of a GM. Explained. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.